Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Oh, we are on the Mike Abadir Show. It is April the 8th, 2021. We have a college basketball champion. We're already a week into the uh, baseball season, NBA season winding down here. We pretty much know what the field is going to look like for the Kentucky Derby. Just uh, one and a half big preps left, I'll say, coming up this weekend. Lots going on. In the world of uh, sports, Mike, uh, where do you uh, want to start today? Yeah, you know, and more important than sports and all of this stuff is is the listener, really, because, you know, even if you've got great sports, if there's nobody listening, then there's really nobody for us to engage with, Gino. Yep. So I'm really looking forward to today's show. It's actually probably going to be one of my favorite shows because it's going to be very listener centric. We're going to have a couple of guests One of them won the contest, so he qualified as a guest co-host spot by winning the March Madness contest, as you already mentioned, G. And so uh, his name is Wes, and he'll be on with us probably 20 after. He'll fill us in on how he won the contest, and he's a big SF Bay Area sports fan. Giants, NL West, he's dialed in, Gina. So you guys are already going to have a little bit of a rivalry, a little bit of a rift before (laughs) you guys even ever meet. And a quick caveat, by the way, Gino. Quick caveat. His brother, Will, won our NFL contests two years ago. So the oh, brothers are doing pretty good. Yeah, the brothers Sharp. are doing pretty good. Sharp the other family. guest that we're going to have is a uh, big-time horse racing fan, big-time handicapper. He uh, He's from my old stomping grounds up in the 209 Modesto Stockton area in, in Nor- NorCal. And we became friends via Twitter as a listener. He's been a big supporter of us. Gino, definitely appreciate that. And he started getting kind of people's attention because he's a pretty humble guy, but he would share some of his scores like many people do on Twitter, horse racing wise. And they started getting bigger and bigger, man. So he, he may have to give us a, a couple of secrets about his secret sauce and how he nails these <laughs> monster pick fours, man. So it's going to be a fun show, G. Yeah. I mean, even the, I forget about I. I do you watch like the Masters when it's going on? I I did a little Masters preview and and actually oh, last year I did a, a big Masters. Yeah, when there's when Tiger's involved, yeah, it's a lot more interesting. I'll look at the final score. I'll maybe watch on Sunday for ten. Yes, minutes. if people are in contention or not, and see what the, what it looks like. Yeah, there are some there there are a good group towards the top now. It, have some really really skilled players and really fun. So just again, man, just it's always that crazy week for uh, for Jim Nance when it goes straight from the. Him calling March Madness uh, and the end of the college basketball tournament straight into the Masters. You know, isn't SVP a big college basketball guy also? Because I know he's a huge golf guy. Yeah, yeah. And, and so this was this was always the because uh, they're both big on CBS. You know, I think the the, the final Sunday of the Masters is on CBS, and then mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the uh, the you know the match madness. So it's it's always been like a a week or two where Nance has two of his biggest uh, biggest moments doing that. And I mean, he has some big moments also calling a lot of those football games. So yeah, we're we're right in the middle of one of those great great time periods in all of sports right now. And uh, yeah, this with this weekend coming up, there's the Arkansas Derby at Oaklawn, and that's the last real. Big Kentucky Derby points race. There's also the Lexington at Keeneland. There could possibly be like if if a few horses were to win that race, they may may take a shot at at going to the Derby. But um, it you know the field's sort of 
starting to really take shape. Only a month away now. Hey, man, big props to uh, John Sadler. Yeah, that was an awesome uh, uh, victory for Rock Your World, who's going to head in, you know, with with No Life is Good, who got hurt, and he was going to be one of the major players. Greatest honor recently has uh, defected from the Kentucky Derby. He won't be running. So Rock Your World is coming in with, I believe, the highest um, buyer speed figure of uh, any of these horses that that so far that will uh, will come into the derby. So he's got some good speed and he's got some upside. So shout out to him and uh, uh, he, he's got a live one now heading to the derby. Yeah, you know who is a uh, has been big time touting that horse is a uh, is our is our buddy uh, Pop DiBiase. He's been touting that horse for a while and he he called it on the air last week. He was like, nice. shout you out know, to Pop. Uh, Baffert's going down. It's all about Sadler. And so uh, well, that was he was the first person I thought of. Uh, but also, just kind of from a sports perspective, you know, Sadler's been, I don't know, fit at the top of his game for a long time. I, I can't even speculate, 10, 15, 20 years, whatever it's been, however long he's been kind of a 20% type of trainer in SoCal. It's sometimes it's just mind boggling when you look back and be like, wow, this is his first opportunity to to land on that global stage of the Kentucky Derby. You know, and it's like, it just shows you how rare it is. You could be one of the best, you know, it's maybe equivalent of a Super Bowl ring or something. You know what I mean? Like you could be the best player in your sport for a long time and not have an opportunity. So it's pretty cool when you finally get there. You know what I mean? Whether you win or not, we'll see. Big, big one coming up for him now, uh, just uh, four weeks away as it, it starts to creep up real, real quick now um, with uh, just the final prep race. And it's only a small field this week. I think the the Baffert Horse Concert Tour uh, maybe scared a few people off. And it looks like if he wins this weekend, he'll he'll probably be it's it'll be close between him and essential quality for who will end up going off favored. And then. Uh, um, you know, we'll have uh, the next tier of horses. But if, if he wins this weekend, he could battle for favoritism in, in the Derby. Um, it's 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 you no know, always a bummer when you see these horses start to defect. But we know there's going to be a few more that end up uh, throughout the the next four weeks or so that end up coming up with a, an injury or maybe some of their connections decide they want to cut back to a sprint race or try the turf or maybe give the horse some time off uh, that they don't necessarily uh, feel like the derby is the best thing for them. I feel like we've in recent years too with the change of the point system and stuff we 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 get less people I think that get seem to get that derby fever. Um, we don't seem to have as many hopeless long shots just based on the way like the point system it, you know um, rewards horses that win more of the recent races than races really early on when they're two and uh, so it's um, man it, it, it'll be really good to have it back again this year. It's it we're starting to get to the point now of the year where. Like everything that's happening didn't happen last year at this time. O- almost everything we're coming upon is like, oh yeah, baseball. There wasn't any baseball being played. Oh yeah, like some of these derby prep races weren't run until much later in the year. Oh yeah, the derby wasn't run until much later. So it's just so nice getting to have some uh, some normalcy back. I got in uh, my my first uh, vaccine uh, the other day and just uh, already got appointment for uh, number two no no uh, any side no side effects no issues uh no nothing my mom and dad just got their appointments and uh, i think as they said within uh pretty soon everyone should be a- able to get go get one if they want and from everything i'm reading when that's the case like uh, as early as june um stuff being able to get opened up at as, as pretty close to full capacity again which would uh it's it just it's it's really great when we're starting to get 
to these, um, I don't want to say milestones, but it feels like that again when we're like opening everything back up and, and just kind of trying to get back to where we were. Yeah, it's pretty cool to get back on schedule again. Kind of like you mentioned, my pops took the vaccine last week. No issues. He's doing well. Thank God for that. Uh, as I've said many times on the show, the vaccine ain't for me. So I'm going to I'm gonna wing it and uh, hope, hope I'm around to be able to talk about it down the road. But like you're talking about, the schedule feels normal now. And I think that kind of restores, you know, kind of like our equilibrium a little bit as sports fans, you know, things are happening when they're supposed to be happening, which is really cool. One of the things that happened that we were both very happy about was opening day. And I do have some quick thoughts on the first week of the season. I'm sure you do as well, Gino, but man, uh, you know, we're going to be incorporating some listener comments and questions. And I've already got a couple that have been brought to my attention from uh, from this morning, actually. So this would probably be a good time to insert the Boston Red Sox. So the Boston Red Sox have had a very, very interesting start to their season. Our boy, Eddie, who plays fantasy with us. He's been a longtime listener and supporter of the show. Thank you for listening, Eddie. Uh, the Red Sox screwed him, man. Big time. Uh, multiple 16 parlays. Now all he had to do was beat the lowly Orioles. <laughs> the same lowly Orioles who whipped up on Boston at Fenway Park, not just once. So then the next day you figure, you know, I'll take the Red Sox today, right? Makes perfect sense. Not only do they take the second one, but game three, they do the exact same thing again and just sweep their way out of Boston with a three-game lead on the Red Sox after just three freaking games. But the Red Sox have come back, clawed back, and won four in a row, G. And they've done it pretty impressively, actually. So um, they it's have probably a lot of Bostonians a little bit stressed out there for a few days, like, oh, my God, this is going to be a long one. But, hey, man, sometimes it takes a little bit for those bats to get going because uh, they didn't for Boston at all, and that's supposed to be their strength. It's That's probably, like, four and three, if you just were to sort of, like, compound that a little bit more. That's probably, like, a microcosm of their season, and hopefully not as, like, it, like win three, lose, <laughs> yeah, win, yeah. Or, you know, lose three, win four. But that's probably going to be like what a lot of their season is like a team that'll have a, g- a good run and then they'll struggle for a little while because, you know, some question marks about their pitching. But then when the bats get hot and they all come together for a week or two, they'll be like really tough to get out. And so it's funny. It's like most teams, you, it's it's hard with the small sample size, but that sample size now with Boston after bouncing back in there and, and you know and winning a few games, that's that's probably going to be like a lot of what your season looks like. I sort of feel the same way for the Dodgers. Like a nice start for them, five and two. Uh, they lost the first game. They won five in a row. And then uh, they should have won. Um, they blew a save, but I don't really want to blame it on blowing a save as much as they actually had 14 men left on base uh, in a game where they only scored three runs. So, um, you know, you, you, you put a couple more of those men across the plate, you win that game pretty easily. So they're up at five and two and uh, no real surprise there from them. Who, but how, about, anyone... how would have been, though, if, if the A's who were maybe oh, you know yeah. a couple pitches away from going 0 and 7? Yeah. The the A's struggles, really, really bad struggles to start the season is probably the most surprising thing of all. Um, I mean, I, I guess you you can look at it and say, well, you know, they played the Astros, who are going to be a good team, and then they played the Dodgers, you know, a, a, a couple good teams. But they did – they just – it's not that they were losing – They've scored 17 runs and allowed 53. They've got a minus 36 run differential. Yeah, they, they've been clobbered. 
they've just been getting the crap kicked out of them. So that's not that. That's the difference. Um, you know, we'll see because they're not. I mean, I can't remember the last time they were a bad team. They're always a a pretty solid or overachieving type team. So this, to me, I, I guess, this is just a bad week. You know, yeah, it's, it's probably a bad week. Because, a bad week. yeah, and that's that's what we we have to do in baseball is you take them take it like week by week and instead of like day by day. You know, one week at a time, and you can get a snapshot of an extra five games and see how things have changed. This would be by far the most surprising thing to me because they're a team that I didn't think would be this bad. When you looked at the other teams that have had slow starts, well, you didn't really expect the Marlins to be that great. Didn't You expected the Pirates to be one of the worst teams in the league. Not surprising to see the Diamondbacks struggle a little bit to start. Um, but they are the team of all that have struggled that is the most surprising to, uh, to me, at least, and, and and I guess probably the Phillies who had a really nice start, a nice like five and one. Phillies or the Reds, they're both playing some good ball. Like the Reds have scored fifty seven runs in six games, and this was a team who has now won five in a row. And the reason why they couldn't win in the playoffs last year, when they got one of the better playoff starts that you you'll you'll ever get, is because they couldn't score any runs, and they're scoring a hell of a lot of runs. Yeah, you know, a sneaky what might prove to be a sneaky good move for them. Is uh, is a, probably one that wasn't discussed outside of maybe Cincinnati local sports talk radio shows um, or, or within Ohio. A move where a player goes from the Cleveland Indians to the Cincinnati Reds, and I'm talking about Tyler Naquin, and he has just been tearing the cover off the ball. He was a prospect for the Indians and he's not that old. So I I don't know really know the details behind. I mean he's still in his 20s, late 20s. I don't know the details behind was he a free agent, was he uh, you know, was it a trade or how he he got there. But one thing I two things I do know. Number 1 is that I have him on my NL only fantasy team. Oh, thank nice. God. And I got him very luckily because Grisham went on the DL to start the season. So I had to replace him with somebody. So I'm like, hey, let's bring in the AL guy and see what he could do. But this guy's been raking, man. Four home runs and 13 RBI in just the first six games of the season. Um, and obviously Castellanos and, and the other good hitters that they have there are uh, contributing as well. But Good to see Cincinnati at least not playing boring baseball. I'm going to go back to the listener bag for a quick second here, Gino, because one of our listeners, Joe Gilson, good, good dude, funny guy as well. He posed a, a very interesting question slash topic, wanted to hear our thoughts on it. And I thought it was a, it was a really good one, one that we don't really talk about that often, which is managers in Major League Baseball. And, and his, his thought slash question was, when you get like a Joe Madden on the Angels or just managers in general, how many wins does that translate to? I mean, what is the impact of having a really good manager versus a really bad manager? I mean, is it like you would win 90 this way and 88 that way? It doesn't really matter. Or is it, hey, you could have a 102-win team, but if you put a crappy manager there, they're not a playoff team. And so I thought it was a really, really interesting topic. And I've Figured this would be a good time to kind of discuss that as we see teams like the Angels with Joe Madden starting off four four and two pretty nicely. Team that neither of us were too bullish on. I do think they um, in baseball. It's funny because it's such a a day to day. There's a lot of times where throughout the season you're you're kind of just like leaving things alone and letting them work themselves out. And then I think in particular when it really comes into play is in the playoffs. Like I think I don't know how much 
in a 162 game season, I, th- I don't know if you have if you have the talent. I think you're going to get there. I think once you get there, though, uh, as a team, I've as a fan of the Dodgers, I've seen this before. I think there are some guys, and even even Dave Roberts, who is now one. There are a lot of times where it's funny because um, the moves you make are are good or bad based on whether they <laughs> they succeed or not. That's really what it comes down to, right? It's and like and that's why you, that's really what it comes down to is like, are you a good manager because you're making a pitching change and it works? Are you a good manager because you're making uh you're putting the right guy in the lineup and they end up hitting? And so Dave managed Roberts was a better manager last year because you know why? He changed the way that he had done things before. Um previously he had really relied heavily on Clayton Kershaw and Kenley Jansen, and he sometimes so much so that he put them in situations where he wanted them to be a hero, but they were situations that were not uh, good for them or for the team. They were set up to fail, and he didn't do that last year. And so I think he, as a manager, ha- has changed, and I think he he definitely was. Um, the, I, I think the same version of Dave Roberts probably doesn't win that. Last year, so that that is uh, to me um, in baseball. Once you get into the playoffs, I think it, it it makes all of the difference. And so I don't I don't know if it's like a five wins in the regular season type thing, but I do think there are some managers that you you probably will have a very hard time winning it all with. That's a, I think that's a pretty well thought out answer. It's a little bit different than mine, um, but they're consistent. Our, my answer and your my thoughts and your answer are consistent with each other, if that makes any sense. I think I was just maybe looking at it from a little bit of a different angle uh, to maybe end with the same result. And when I look at it, there's a reason why the head coaches in all the sports are called head coaches, but in baseball, it's called a manager. So I'm kind of looking at it from an organizational perspective, top to bottom, and the liaison between the front office and disseminating a certain message all the way down to the minor league system, coordinating with managers of your AAA club, AA club, your scouting departments, and then upwards to your general manager. It's really like a big, big role. I'm kind of viewing it almost like a CEO of like a Amazon or a Microsoft or something like that, where you're not necessarily responsible for the sales out of your North Carolina office. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, sh- let me rephrase that. You're responsible for it, but it's not a direct, like you're not directly handling the North Carolina sales department if you're with Mike, you know, CEO of Microsoft. Yeah. But your responsibility is for the whole organization. And that is everything from your your managers, you know, uh, the, the players, the promotions, the development, all of these things all and filtering it all the way up, bringing somebody up when he's ready, sending somebody down, even though it's going to hurt his ego, but to uh, give him a little bit more development or to get his confidence back and everything ranging from clubhouse issues. And then like you were kind of spending most of your time on the day-to-day stuff, critically, critically important. So, I mean, I think in a three to five year time period, that probably amounts to like a good amount of wins if you've got a good manager in place. Um, it's hard to quantify it within a single season, though, Gino. You know what I mean? I think it works in a postseason, though, which is kind of what you're getting to. Once a manager really refines his crafts, he can make a really, really big impact in that postseason. And I agree with you. I think Dave Roberts of 2020 was the best postseason Dave Roberts that we've seen so far. 
and there's not um it's 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 funny because I think the managers and 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 coaches is obviously way different in in in, in each level of sports too. Sure. Um, you know, like baseball, like you said, I I think you can you can overperform a bit, but I don't know if you if you don't have talent, if you don't have arms, right? If you just don't have guys, like you're not going to win over 162 game season. You can you know you can overachieve a little bit, but um. Yeah, to I don't me, care how good of a strategist you are. You're not going right? to be able to manufacture wins like that. Exactly. No, not in baseball. Uh, definitely not. You you can see it sometimes, like sometimes in football. I think even you know, it, like like a good coach and good like a good staff and good scheme can really like be an equalizer and can really even things out too, especially in football because it's more of a one game, you know, uh, smaller shortened season. So I think a lot of time, like the preparation that you can have week in week out there is uh is probably even more important 100 you know? percent agree you know and then in nba it's a little different too because like i think it, it's more sort more sort of like baseball where the coaching will really come in a lot more in a playoff situation where you have to go um like you know uh in every series you may have to to do something different based on who your opponent is um you know baseball you're kind of letting the, the, the players just kind of out there play basketball maybe you know like the lakers last year have a series where dwight howard doesn't play um, and they're they're playing Markeith Morris. They're going smaller than the next series. It's all Dwight and Javale because they have to go a little bit bigger. You know that's where I kind of said, oh, Frank Vogel's a very good coach. He he was able to kind of do things a little different. Um, he did have you have you have to have the players to get there, but you also have to do it. So I think he it, it is a good conversation to have about how how much it, it it does impact each sport and maybe even a sport like uh like horse racing. Like we talk about like a trainer. You know, uh, also a uh, also sort of a, a coach there as we get ready for our first Absolutely. break. Absolutely, I can I compare uh, Bob Baffert to uh, Bill Belichick all the time when people ask me. You know, that don't know about horse racing, I'll say B- Baffert is like Belichick and the jockey is like the quarterback. You know, but you have to have all three. You have to have the trainer, the jockey, and the horse to be able to win races. Before we go to commercial break, because we're kind of late on that, I, I love what you said about the the football. Uh, you know, head coach wise in the NFL, especially even college football, what am I saying? Even high school level, I could go all the way down. It is probably more critical that I think than any other sport. That's the reason why sometimes after games, when teams get the crap knocked out of them, you'll hear the coaching staff saying this one was on us. Mm-hmm. Right. And re- remember in football, the players are told what to do, when to do it and how to do it. So they could only do so much. So if the if the coaching staff doesn't come up with a good plan, I don't care if you've got a bunch of Hall of Famers out there. They're going to lose that game. So coaching is huge. We're talking now in day in game day of series to series play to play coaching is probably most felt in. Football. I mean, it just, that, it's just the way the game is designed, though. You know what I mean? So, super late on a commercial break, Gino. That's on me. So, let's take a quick one. We'll come back. We're going to talk to our March Madness contest winner, Wes Fami. Stay with us. We'll be back right after this. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. 
The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to Mike at the MikeAbadirShow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back here on the Mike Abadir Show, and I believe we have our first guest on the line. Mike, why don't you introduce him? Yeah, pretty much a dominating March Madness performance, really, from a scoring perspective. You don't see that very often because sometimes it comes down to uh, a couple of points here and there. But it was pretty clear if if Baylor was going to win, Wes was going to be our 2021 March Madness winner. We got Wes Fami with us. He is from the greater Bay Area, San Jose to be specific. Wes, what is going on, buddy? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, what's going on is the Baylor Bears bringing it home for me. So it was great. Thanks for having <laughs> there you me on. Go. Guys. Yeah. So how did you uh, how did you come up with the Baylor Bears? Is it, I know you sometimes yeah. gravitate towards teams from Texas for some weird reason, but it works for you. <laughs> so how did you get to the Baylor Bears? I know you used to kind of always push for the Longhorns, but walk us through kind of why Baylor and why this year and all that good stuff. For sure. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Uh, Texas is um, the the Longhorns in particular, a team that I've always followed. So for me, following the Big 12 has always been uh, something I'm keen of doing. And watching the Baylor Bears throughout the season, especially them kind of, you know, putting a whomping on Texas um, Longhorns, I realized that these guys are pretty solid. And just watching them play the entire year, I thought they had a – I think the coach is fantastic. I think players are fantastic. And I just thought that they were going to be able to pull this thing through. Um, Primarily when I saw them against Texas, and I I can't remember what week it was, but they they dominated us. I think it was like a 15-point win or something like that. So I just thought they were a fantastic team, well-played, well-coached. And, you know, I know everybody was high on Gonzaga. A couple reasons that I didn't like them. Number one, the division they play in. And number two, I figured everyone else was going to love them. So I just went with my gut, and I thought Baylor was going to take it home, and they did. So I did, um, you know, I had everybody in the final four with the exception of, of of course, my team, the Longhorns. But um, (laughs) I was was pretty close otherwise. You know, that's kind of funny, Gino, because – the conference they play in and one could say, well, how did they get to the finals then? But 
the interesting retort to that, G, would be you're only going to be able to do that so many times if you're playing weaker competition as the competition gets better and better. And then once you get to the top tier, that's what's going to come in to hurt you. Yeah, and they they played um, they played really a really tough out of conference schedule this year, and they've done that in recent um, in okay. more recent years because because of that reason because they understand that they probably would end up getting low lower lower seated if they haven't played like some sort of a a good strength of schedule. So they beat a lot of teams out of conference, and they were uh, Gonzaga and Baylor were actually supposed to have a game scheduled against each other that Baylor ended up um, getting having to have canceled. To me, I thought the most. Um, the impressive thing about this Baylor team was that they they and Gonzaga throughout a lot of the season really looked like they the the first you know month of two months of the season really looked like they were the two best teams in basketball and then after that interruption that that Baylor had of about you know I think it was like three weeks about twenty days off they came back they didn't look quite as sharp all over the place and it was you, you can't you, you don't see it all that often with teams in college it was almost like they flipped the switch come tournament time it was like okay now, now it's go time and they went back to that version of Baylor that we saw early on in the year if I can make a quick comment on that too um, yeah I, it was interesting because I, I I know they were going to play in December uh, Baylor and uh, Gonzaga was looking forward to seeing that but you're right that game got canceled and uh, I remember when it came back uh, if I remember correctly they lost to KU pretty badly right, right away so yeah First game you're, back. You're, you're totally, you're totally right. Cause I was smiling when you were saying that because I, I thought the same thing. Uh, but you know, early on, like you talked about, they were fantastic. And, and again, that's why I pulled, pulled them in to, to win the, the tournament this year. So now that you've won this March madness contest, you can kind of admit to us, have you won these before? Are you a 10 time winner? Is this your first time win? Uh, how many times have you been a champ in, let's just say, for a contest out, uh, above 10 entries? All right. I love that. And if I can be honest, I prepared for that question. I had a feeling okay. you'd ask me that. So I won my very first um, tournament that was probably about 30 people or so back in 1995. Okay. And uh, since then, since then, I've You're won. You're pretty young. I, I only wow. want to say. I, I was uh, I was 15 years old to be exact. Matter of fact, <laughs> nice. it was a tournament. It was a tournament. It was a tournament that I ran uh, in high school, and uh, people thought that I cheated, but I did not. Um, I just had UCLA winning it all. <laughs> <laughs> it, re- it really wasn't, in all honesty. Um, I had UCLA winning it. That was the years with O'Bannon, the O'Bannon brothers, Toby oh, yeah. Bailey. Uh, I I love. Yeah, Tyus Edney loved that squad. So, uh, yeah, so that's the year, um, that was the first year I won it. Since then, I've won maybe two or three. I can't recall how many, to be quite frank. Uh, but this is not my first rodeo, uh, but it's also not my tenth. So, you know, somewhere in the middle there, probably around five or so. Okay, now, I was prepping Gino a little bit before you came on. Now we've been all friendly, and we're all friends, and everything is good. Uh, this is where the rift comes in, because he's a really big Dodger fan and you're a really big San Francisco <laughs> Giants fan. So I'm going to let Gino take over this part of the conversation. So you guys can kind of duke it out for a couple minutes. Well, I finally at least have <laughs> something that I can like say, because for a while the Dodgers haven't won and the Giants have recently. So the, the retort for any Giants fan to the Dodgers fan could have been like, yeah, but were you even born when they won last time? You know, so at least I sort of have that. Oh. The, the, the only bummer is, is that 
I love I love the Giants series so much. I really do. It feels like the the years when the Giants were really good, the Dodgers weren't like in contention, and and then since then oh, the Giants have kind of been down. I wish we could both be a little bit better at the same time. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Right, like having that rivalry, which to me is one of the best in baseball, that unfortunately hasn't been that great lately. Because to your point, we just haven't been on the same page as far as being you know great teams at the same time. I love that rivalry, right? And that's yeah, something I absolutely so. live for. And I just can't wait to when we're in a position where we both have solid teams and really go toe-to-toe. You know, I feel like uh, the Dodgers we don't match up well against. For some reason, we match up well with the Padres. And we can, you do. We, we can yeah. beat those guys. But, <laughs> yeah. So you, you're probably happy we kicked two out of three the other day. I know. Um, Thank so. you. Any, anytime. Yeah, we'll take it. <laughs> You guys, you guys played the lowly A's, I believe, and I don't think that was very difficult for you. <laughs> Typical Giants fans crapping on the other side of the bay, of course. <laughs> yeah. hey, I, I had the opportunity. I took it. You got to. Got to. <laughs> so what, so what's, what would be then, obviously, Gino's goal is the World Series or nothing, right? We already know that. Uh, what's the goal for the Giants? I mean, what would make for a good season for the Gigantes this year? What are you hoping for? What are you expecting and uh, are there any? Are you aware of any prospects that they can? I think that's kind of been one of the big issues plaguing them is, uh, you know, when they were good and winning three World Series in whatever it was uh, six years, you know, they probably depleted a lot of their farm systems at trade deadline or whatnot. Where are they out with that? So what what are your what's your thought about twenty twenty one and beyond? Yeah, great question. So I'll I'll tell you as far as twenty twenty one. It's going to be a rough year for a couple of reasons, in my opinion. Our bullpen is not very great. We've got a guy named Matt Whistler in our bullpen who, you know, I bet, you know, Gino could pitch better than him. So, and I don't even know if Gino can pitch, but I'll Matt Whistler needs to go. I'll tell you, he's I paint terrible. the corner. Yeah. <laughs> Gino, Gino's got some, he, he's, got some, he's a master of junk. He's got some good yeah. pitch. He could keep them off balance, man. Yeah. Listen, that'll be better than Matt Whistler. The guy all he does is give up <laughs> runs. So, so, so anyway, our bullpen's certainly in question, and I, I'm still uh, the jury is out at least for me on Gabe Kapler. Uh, I I feel like his bullpen rotation and decision making has already been suspect this year. I was not a big fan of him last year. I'm probably just being a little bit harsh, but um, certainly for me, I'm not I'm not 100 percent convinced that he's going to be the right guy to take us back to to um, to the ship. It so seems like it's a little said, too much. Like, as a fan, I feel like he, I haven't experienced it all that much with him, but I know him very well from the Dodge organization, too. It just feels like it, yeah. it feels like a little too much. Like, it's, sometimes it's just a little too much overmanaging, and I, I wouldn't ma- mind him doing that in September or come playoff time, but, it, you know, doing that all throughout the season feels like it would get a little bit, like, exhausting in, in 162 games. A spot on, man. I mean, honestly, that the first game of the year this year, I don't know if y'all saw, we're, we're up 8-1 and playing the Seattle Mariners. Gaussman is pitching out of his mind. And the moment he gives up a double, guess who goes and takes him out? And yeah. it's like, why are you doing that? Let the guy pitch. And, and, and they have an, and then oh, next thing you know, Seattle has an eight run, eighth inning. And Whistler probably gave up seven of those runs. And then next thing you know, we lose that game. And, you know, I was like, holy smokes, like, you can't do that. So, you know, to your point, right, having that throughout the entire year for 162 games and then starting game one 
of the 2021 season is not uh, a good starting point for me. So, yeah, I, I'm certainly suspect on Kapler. Well, I'll tell you, one bright spot is, uh, is you mentioned Gaussman. I, I wasn't aware of this, but since he's been on the San Francisco Giants, he has pitched really, really well, been very effective. He's only given up more than three runs in three of his starts. Of all of his starts, I don't know how many exactly that is. I'm sure one of you guys can uh, know it or can look it up very quickly. But in, in just three of his starts, he's given up more than three runs. That's pretty impressive, man, because I know he's been there going on a couple of years now. So uh, at least you have that one bright spot. But I agree with you. I have never – can't use the word never. He hasn't been managing that long. But up to this point, there's nothing where I've been impressed by so much where I'm like, he's yeah. going to be a really good manager. You know, I haven't had that feeling yet, but like you said, uh, it might be a little bit early to make that declaration, but I just don't think he's the dude to uh, run the ship, as you say. Wes, that's all the time that we have. Really quickly, give us a uh, prediction as to where the Dodgers are going to finish this year. Give give, give Gino a little jab. Who is going to win the division, Padres or Dodgers? Honest answer? Unfortunately, yes. it's the Los Angeles Dodgers, man. Okay. I, they're right. they're going to they're going to win the division. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. That's I know, a tough one but it's around. true. Yeah, I'm being a troublemaker uh, here, but I think that trying to uh, stir the pot. But yeah, we're just we're just too mature for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's nowhere to go with that one. Wes, thank you, man. <laughs> it was a great uh, having you, man. Thanks for coming on with us, and maybe you'll come back and dominate all of us in the upcoming Kentucky Derby contest next month. Hey, consider it done. Thanks a lot, gentlemen, for having me on. Um, best of luck to you. Awesome. Say hi to you, all your family, man. Take care, Wes. Gino, let's take a quick commercial break. We'll come back with our next guest, also a great listener of the show and a very dedicated horse racing handicapper. We'll be back with Michael right after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies radio show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. 
This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. We have a very exciting guest coming up because it's a topic that I love, which is horse racing. And we're going to get to that in a quick moment. But we do have a sponsor for this segment. And I wanted to take a quick moment and uh, discuss them because it's something that I've kind of been into lately. I know you've noticed it a little bit, Gino, which is cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency is really, really an up and coming, not just a collector thing, but it's kind of like a cross between stocks and baseball cards, right? And a lot of times when people invest, they really have no clue what they're investing in. Maybe it's a cool name, maybe it's a cool logo, maybe they read a couple of blogs, maybe their favorite blogger suggests something, but I've got something that's worthy enough to take about 30 seconds to a minute to talk about, and that's 100X. And this is something that I've personally invested in. I'm not a financial advisor, but I can give suggestions. And I'm gonna tell you, This is the first meme, well, it's the first influencer-owned meme and community crypto coin on a new network. The level of transparency is really what drew me in on this project because you don't really get to see it from a lot of other coins, and it's truly what got me to invest. You could check out 100X coin on Twitter. If you just type in 100100X, you'll see it come up right away, 100X coin. Um, It's kind of like, getting in early because this is going to be launched on April 12th, Gito. So there's a few days before the launch. So think of it like getting in on Tesla on day number one, or maybe more appropriately to uh, crypto to Doge on day number one. Uh, We could get in at pennies on the dollar literally and walk away with maybe a hefty, handsome reward afterwards. So check them out on Twitter, 100xcoin, Google them. If you have any questions, DM me and their fearless leader, Ken the Crypto. There's nobody better. So check them out. That's 100x coin for you. So, Gino, let's turn our attention then to horse racing. We've got our next guest who is a great supporter of the show. He's a very good handicapper. As I was telling you, G, he kind of caught my attention a while back because he's from my neck of the woods. But as I started following him more and more, his plays got bigger and bigger in terms of their returns on his pick fours, especially, I think, pick fives as well. Talking about none other than Michael Crutchfield from Stockton, California. Mike, how are you? Hey, Mike. I'm doing doing well, guys. How are you two? Doing really, really well. Now, Gino, I gave him a really tough assignment because he kept asking me, which races should we be covering? And I was like, I'll get back to you. I'll get back to you. I'll get back to you. Well, I never got back to him. And then once I finally did, I was like, hey, why don't you just pick the races you want to to handicap and discuss? So he's got the floor. I know we're going to look at Keeneland, some of Friday races. Where are we going to start with, Michael? So we can start uh, Keeneland, uh, race five. And uh, we could just start with that. And, uh, you know, I like three horses in here. Um, I like the one, three. And I have a price play, uh, the number 12, who is a sprinter stretching out. Uh, the trainer does good with these uh, types, and he's uh, 25% um, going from uh, synthetic to, uh, to turf. Uh, so I like 1312. The 12 is, I believe, 15 to 1 on the morning line, and I think that's worth a play. 
They actually have the um, the three Liana as a horse uh, I give out as one of my selections too. The three, uh, who, uh, I, I'm glad you mentioned uh, as one that you'll be including in your exotics who I think should save uh, some ground from the inside. Should sit a very nice trip. Comes out of a race where she actually ran deceivingly well against Graded Stakes Company last time out. She was... Uh, she kind of got pushed back on the inside and in like the third flight. And then and even after a trip where she didn't get the best of it, she was still trying hard late. It was sneaky. So she's a nice one to use. And you got a, a very solid long shot, uh, capability, uh, on the outside there. So how do you, how do you, uh, play in a race like this? How would you wager, um, using those horses? Are you like exact to try super? Are you playing more pick threes, pick fours, or how do you approach it? Yeah, I would, you know, with, with this one, I, I'm going to play uh, pick three, and I'm going to I'm going to bet the twelve, uh, you know, uh, to to win in place, but primarily the win, because uh, you know I've had success with these types of horses and this trainer uh, with this move, so um, I, I like the pick fours and pick fives primarily. Where else do you have plays for us on Friday at Keeneland? Okay, I, I think if you go to race six, uh, the number five, I, I think is a good uh, single. Uh, Pletcher is uh, 27% off the layoff. Um, I, I think that that's a, a good logical uh, uh, single there. And, and if you want to include a couple more, you can include uh, the number one and six. One of those three should win the race, but I am going to single the five. Spice, spice is, is nice. nice. Yeah, it, it makes you yeah. want to say it out loud. Spice is nice. <laughs> hey, before we move on, because I'm glad that Gino asked you about what type of uh, plays you're into. Really quickly, insert into the equation how you got into horse racing in the first place and how long you've been uh, putting together these wagers. Because I sense you got some experience. Man, this guy busted out a $27,000 pick four back in, when was it, December, I think it was? Yeah, I'll never forget that date. This December twenty sixth, uh, two thousand and twenty. <laughs> you got back all the Christmas money you spent. I, I got back every you know bit of it. So uh, that was uh, my biggest uh, score, uh, you know. But uh, you know, a bunch of scores at five, six thousand dollars on small tickets. Uh, you know, I don't uh, you know really play uh, caveman tickets. I saw a ticket on Twitter yesterday, eight hundred and sixty dollars for pick the late pick five at Keeneland. I just shook my head boy what yeah, it doesn't make sense but I, I don't think i've ever played um a ticket i can't remember like i think once or twice like a, a big big pick six but if we're talking like a 50 cent pick four or pick five 200 bucks you know like at the max yeah. on like a really big day in a big pool where maybe in a day where you've won a little bit of money before and so you got a little extra so you play a little bigger but it just doesn't it doesn't really make sense right if you your opinion's right and you want to spend that much money you're better off playing a ticket three or four times and just trying to you know hit hit one where your opinion's right multiple times because you end up playing five hundred dollar tickets i see people that are posting thousand dollar tickets sometimes you just you're not winning in the long run no no you're not and and again i see those tickets and and i and I just say that my experience tells me that um, you know uh, they're going to lose in the in the long run, and 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 again, um, you can you can make some good profit by I, I single sometimes a horse is three to five, and um, and I come out with you know four or five thousand dollar pick four or pick yep. five. So uh, you, you don't have to you know play these uh, large tickets. You need to get into the you know, details and understand what you're doing, and 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 it takes work to do that. But there are some gems in there. Yeah, and the other thing it. about it too is it's not very bragworthy to me. Okay, so you put eight hundred dollars into a ticket and you won seven thousand bucks. 
you know, you could have saved yourself a lot of money and, uh, bet, and, uh, bet you know, to win on a 10 to one shot. Exactly. <laughs> you have to win one exactly. race. <laughs> exactly yeah. what I was going to say. So, you know, to me, that doesn't make a lot of sense. So, and how long did you say you've been, uh, handicapping or playing the races? What drew you in? Gosh, um, right, right around, uh, right around 25 years. I used to, uh, just, uh, you know, I'm from the Bay area and I, my, my, my aunt used to, uh, book horses. I, you know, that's not anything to talk about on this show, but I used to, <laughs> you know, uh, go and deliver and collect the money for, her. but you know, that's kind of how I got into it. Nice. Okay. This is real OG stuff right there, man. I like it. I think we got about six <laughs> six minutes or so <laughs> left. Left. So you so. got it. You, see, you had the money thing down. That's why you're such a winner, man. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I have my days, but you know, I'm finally, you know, uh, after all those years, I figured out, you know, through getting my uh, fanny uh, kick, I've, I've figured out, you know, uh, kind of. I haven't figured everything out, but you know, I'm. I'm doing well, you know, this year, obviously I'm up this year and I'm making money. So, uh, this is the only the second year that I'm, you know, really that I'm making money in the game. Nice man. Well, hey, it's, it, it, sometimes it just clicks. Once it clicks, you can stay on that consistently good path. So where am I winning next on this Keeneland Friday card? Okay, I, and I think, uh, you know, race seven, the same thing. I think um, Wesley Ward's horse, uh, the number eight, Campanelli, uh, you know, I, I just think that they, they, the, the horse didn't want two turns uh, in the Breeders' Cup, and, and this horse is going to be, um, is, is, should win this race. And, um, but I am going to use, I'm going to use the eight, and I'm going to use uh, some horses uh, coming off the pace because I think the pace is going to be swift, and I'll also include, the seven, nine, and eleven. Yeah, I've actually had the the nine as one of my plays here. Completely respect the eight. Campanelli, I think, will be uh, in you know tough to beat. The nine is one that's uh, I think the most interesting to me, just based on the fact that. She's shown a little bit of that versatility where she can you can sit off the pace a little bit to back her win at fairgrounds. I like the fact that she's finally putting two starts together. And in her last start, she drew the rail and she kind of just she broke really slow and then she shot up the inside. And then even after she passed, she st- she still kept trying and, and wanted to come back on again. I I think there's something there with going good. She might be a, a filly that that has some ability. And what I like about her is where Campanelli and a couple of these other horses are coming off the bench. Uh, she's got that race uh, uh, off the bench already out of the way, so she may be a little bit sharper than some of the others. I'm glad you mentioned her as one to use. And, and you know what we know stars. for sure is that she likes five and a half furlongs on turf. Yeah, she can, and she can sit, yeah. and she's got, she's got enough speed to put her in a spot where she can get position and then sit if she need be. we got about uh, three minutes or so left uh, in the show here. Um, where else do you want to head on Friday at Keeneland? Well, um, so I, you know, I'll go to the, to the, to the tenth, and, and again, uh, that's a maiden race and, and, you know, I, I really like a horse here that I think, um, is, is going to run big. Uh, I really like the four, uh, the trainer jockey combo is 30, 31%. And I'll, I will also use, uh, the seven and eight, but I really, really do like the four. And, uh, that's, uh, a horse I'm going to be playing uh, big to win. Good stuff there. So, we yeah. got a couple moments left here. Moments left. Short field, small field. Short field. What's going to happen in this uh, Arkansas Derby here? 
I, I tell you what, I think uh, Rosario kind of got the best of uh, Florent uh, the last time. And just, you know, Rosario was so well prepared. And, and I, I think Florent may try to overdo it this time, and he's going to really gun for the lead. And I think Rosario is going to sit right off of him and, and, and go by him in the end. Um, I don't think the other ones uh, in the race are of this caliber, to be honest with you. And so um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use those two. I, th- I think they're going to probably run one, too. In this I mean, race. it's hard to argue but against everybody. Uh, against, uh, look, Baffert has owned Baffert this has race owned recent time, right? So, I mean, time, right? so, he's I got mean, two. So he's, he's got, got a pretty got good two. chance. But I think Concertour is probably going to be a, a very, very tough foe to beat. What's your thought on that one, Gino? Yeah, the draw for Concert Tour, just drawing towards the outside, I think, is is positive for him. Um, so he he's shown that he can sit off a little bit if he has to. And I think that if you're if you're Cotto River in this race, you have to go and just get in front of him. Even if it makes you work a little bit harder than you want to early on, try to get about a half length in front of him or, or a length in front of him. Make him try to pass you. Um, I, I think if they were flip-flopped, I'd probably give Cotto River a little bit more of an opportunity if he was drawn more towards the outside and he could kind of break, see what Concert Tour does from the inside and then kind of, you know, uh, it makes it a little bit easier from the outside. You're kind of forced more from the inside. So that's my only worry. I do think Cotto River will, uh, I do think Concert Tour probably will win this race. And uh, if he wins impressively, uh, he will be in a battle with uh, essential quality and they're going to be vying for favoritism. Oh, I was just going to say, awesome stuff. Definitely appreciate it. wanted to save a little bit of time before we close here. If, if you have any shout-outs to any friends or family that are listening. Um, you know what? Um, I do have friends listening, and uh, just, uh, you know, keep at it. And remember the simple rules. Uh, if, you're, um, if you're on turf and you're going to east to west, then you bet the east coast horse. If it's on dirt and you're going west to east, bet, you know, best bet the West West Coast source. Just a simple rule uh, to make money and know when these horses are shipping, what you need Those to do. Those are rules that I live by as a handicapper. Michael, thank you so much, man. Very much appreciated. Big shout out to the 209 there. Gino, that's all the time that we have. Wonderful show, my friend. Great listeners out there. Thank you so much for listening. This show is for you guys and we will be back on it next week. Same time, same place, everyone. Have a tremendous sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.